G'day folks, thanks for tuning in to the Places with People podcast. I'm Daniel Platt and travelling is important to me. If that's something we share, then this podcast is for you. You'll have the chance to hear from some of the best tour guides on the planet about the world's most interesting and unique places. We travel somewhere new every episode to hear about life, culture and history from fascinating people. Great local guides are the key. Theirs are the stories that will change the way you experience their world. This podcast is sponsored by Localing Tours. That's a private tour company a mate and I started here in Melbourne eight years ago. We do some pretty cool things in cities all over Australia. So be sure to look us up next time you're exploring Down Under. For details on any of the guides we feature on this podcast, email me at danlocalingtours.com. Today we have an absolute treat. We're off to one of my favorite cities on the planet, Budapest, the capital of Hungary. The culture is rich and diverse. The food is amazing. It's historical, it's beautiful. It's such an interesting and incredible place. There's just nowhere like it. We'll be chatting with Livia Sivios from Voyage on Travel. She's a local guide with 10 years experience, born and raised in the city and just a wealth of knowledge. It was an absolute treat for me to be transported back to Budapest and I hope you love it as much as I did. G'day, Livia. It's lovely to see you. How are you doing? Hey, hey. I'm fine. Thank you very much. I'm great, actually. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, I'm just down here in, in Melbourne or just outside of Melbourne. It's 5.30 in the afternoon a chilly winter's afternoon. Where are you at the moment? Oh, I am in Budapest, downtown. That's where I live. And it's so hot here. It's incredible. We are having this really, really hot summer. Uh, and I can talk in Celsius. It's like 38 Celsius degrees at the moment outside. Okay. I so think it's we a bit... Su- Go on, Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit suffocating. Uh, so it's interesting because uh, here, um, global warming, it's, it is really happening as well because I had to install my um, air conditioning three years ago. Before that, we didn't need it, but now everyone has air conditioning. So it's happening. It's hot. <laughs> it wasn't just your stoic European disposition that you thought you could survive without air conditioning for generations? <laughs> yeah, actually, it might be that too. Because I remember when I was living with my mom, we were suffering as well. But it were much shorter period of times for suffering from the heat than now. Now it's literally from June to August all the way. So we don't really have... Uh, Days days off from the heat. It's just hot. Sounds brutal. <laughs> yeah, well, we need to go to the lakes, and that's what we normally do on the weekend. Uh, it's much more bearable. It's actually very nice uh, down there. How far are the lakes? 
It's about 120 kilometers, so not far at all, especially with Australian standards, I guess. It's very near. Uh, for us, it's, um, you know, it's, it's about an hour and a half, two hours drive. Um, and uh, most of Budapest moves down there on Friday and comes back on uh, Sunday. So people have like holiday homes or they go and rent a place? Uh, both. Lots yeah. of people have second homes at the, at the lake. And then lots of people just rent. The Balaton got super, super popular uh, since the pandemic, especially. Mm. Because now everyone wants to move out, wants to leave the city. Uh, lifestyle is changing. Lifestyle, lifestyle preferences are changing, definitely. Since yeah. the pandemic came in. A global phenomenon. That's definitely the case here. And we're actually... Is it? Um, we're living an hour out of the city at the moment just because, you know, work's very quiet and... If you don't need to be there every day, it's much nicer to have a bit of space and access to the coast down here. Uh, it's nothing like 40 degrees, but we still get in the water for a surf on occasion in mm -hmm. our uh, neoprene, Beautiful. our rubber wetsuits. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I am. <laughs> I seem to remember in Hungary you had, were they thermal lakes with like curative properties, mineral rich waters? Is that the sort of thing we're talking about or it's just freshwater lakes? Uh, the, yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, but uh, in the summer, we only go to the freshwater lakes uh, because those thermal waters are really warm. So we we love them. We use them a lot. Um, it's like a it's like an open air hospital, Hungary, basically, because everyone goes <laughs> to the thermal waters all winter. But but we do that in the winters, and then in the summer we go to the freshwater lakes. Obviously, we don't have any seaside, so. Um, unfortunately but but we have many many lakes and and rivers we have the Danube river and we have the tissa river and the kurush so we have quite a few uh, rivers where we go uh, in the summer and in the winter we use those thermal uh, lakes and thermal spas sounds delightful and i actually remember mm -hmm. them being a pretty amazing feature of the downtown of budapest as well yeah. um, it's fun it's fun and it's it's it, it is a nice experience have you been yeah. Yeah. I have Shecheni and, um, yep. oh, you're testing my memory now. So I, <laughs> um, I was guiding there of course, back in 2012. So I spent a little bit of time and uh, is it Galert? Are there Galert? Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. You pronounce it right. Yeah. Galert. That's uh, <laughs> one of the most beautiful ones. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were spectacular. So much fun. And from memory, a, a hangover from the Ottoman times, most of them. Uh, yes, ex I mean the Ottomans uh, were the one were the ones who actually built the first uh, spas because they realized the rich source of mineral water under the Buddha hills. Actually, especially in Buddha side, we have uh, the water. But going back to the Roman times, we have some ruins of old Roman. Uh, spas at Aquincum. It's called Aquincum. It's on the Buddha side of the river. So even uh, the Romans, uh, when they were here, because this was the edge of the Roman Empire a long, long time ago, uh, they also built uh, uh, thermal spas. I mean, spas on the thermal water, based on thermal water. And then the, the Ottomans, now we call them Turkish, they were the ones who uh, really realized and used. Uh, they built... Um, a Turkish spa, at least three on the Buddha side of the river. And at that time, they didn't really have bathrooms. So 
that was like a like a public spa so that's where they went to get washed and we, actually we we still have those spas but we don't use them for wash ourselves <laughs> for Good fun basically and for healing healing purposes because these these waters have very very good effect on your body even used for depression for joint diseases to cure joint diseases after operations the doctor would send you to the spa for like a six weeks treatment to recover faster so very useful as well mm. just for anyone not familiar with the city of budapest um livia was mentioning that there is the buddha side of the river and the Pest side, so it's it's the name of the two different sides, and I guess that's where the name Budapest comes from. Uh, it, wh- yeah. What do they what do they mean? Is there is there a, a meaning to the the two words in Hungarian? Um, I I always uh, get asked these questions when I'm tour guiding, and I was like trying to find out. Obviously, uh, um, Buddha um, apparently means hole in Slavic. But in Hungarian, it has no meaning whatsoever. So, so the only the only thing I can tell you is like horse, and the horse is because because um, the Buddha side is very hilly, and inside the Buddha hills we have about a, a seven kilometers long cave system. So it's full of caves, holes, and that's why they are called called it Buddha. Pest has no meaning i i was looking and it has no meaning and uh, buddha and pest was actually two separate cities until 1872 when the two cities were united and became budapest originally it was called pest buddha but the mayor lived in buddha <laughs> and he said no way we have to turn it around and call it budapest so this is the story of uh, how how budapest became budapest so interesting. Was that um, a shift, like a political shift, or it was more technology? Like they had bridges, so suddenly they could link the two towns or villages or cities, whatever they were. I think infrastructurally, and it was just easier to handle the, the two cities as one. Yeah. Amazing. Um, just to go back to the baths for a second, for anyone who hasn't been, could you maybe describe what they're like? Because obviously a lot of people might have experienced a Turkish hammam, like a Turkish bath. But uh, from my experience in Budapest, it was a totally different experience, one quite unique and very beautiful. So I'd love to get a local's uh, take or uh, maybe description of it. Yeah. Um, we locals, we love the spas. I mean, I come from a family where I, where I was taken to the spas from a very early age, as soon as I, I could, because no, that is not really good for kids, like under 14, because of all the minerals, but as soon as they could take me, they took me. And my, for example, my mother and my uh, aunt, they go, uh, they have like a, a pass, like a season pass. And uh, what, what they do, they go to the doctor twice a year, and um, if they have any problems with back problems, they really actually do have back problems. They get like a, a, a suscri- uh, subscribed. That's how you say it in English. Like they get like a prescription. Sorry, prescription. Prescription. Yeah. Prescription. Sorry to the spa, and so they get like twice twenty occasions to go. 
And then, uh, so they go for, like, go twice a week or three times a week, and they get, like, total treatment. Like, they go massage, they get, like, uh, like mud spa, they go into the, they go swim, they just sit in the hot water in different temperatures and different uh, minerals, water. And then th- there is also, like, um, like, water aerobics that they can do. And so... There's like such a wide range of uh, um, activities they can do there. So the locals go to the spa, definitely. And I use these facilities as well. Not so much these days, but I used to uh, go a lot. Um, there are two kinds of spas uh, in Budapest. The, the first ones were the Turkey spas, that they actually still standing and original from the 15th, 16th century, mostly. And those would uh, be very similar to the ones in Turkey, for example, in terms of uh, architecture. So, like, very small rooms, and um, and uh, the whole spa is quite small. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it feels like you're in Turkey. So we, we have those spas. And then uh, we have... Um, we, we had the second wave of spas built, in the 19th century, during the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. And during the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, we were, um, I I would say that was the golden ages of Hungary. So we were a really rich country, which we can't say since that, like after the, you know, after the Austrian-Hungarian Empire have come to an end, and the 19th century, destroyed a little bit uh, the economy and First World War, Second World War, and so on. And then we had the communism for 50 years. So obviously those didn't have. But the end of the 18th century was the golden era for Hungary. And uh, lots of money was coming in from Austria as well. We were prosperous and uh, and building a new city. It was an important uh, uh, thing for the Hungarians at that time. We also talk about the Millennium, uh, 1896. That was the 1,000 years anniversary of the Hungarian settlement. So we we wanted to celebrate, and and the whole new city was built up for that occasion, for the 1,000 years anniversary. And uh, part of that project was the spas, the new spas. And um, the two most famous spas that I have to mention is the, the one that you, you've been to is Gellert. And Sechenyi. So the idea of uh, of these spas were building the largest spas of Europe. So the Sechenyi spa is one of the largest spa uh, complex of Europe. It has twenty different spas, and the beauty of this uh, this spa is that it has uh, lots of pools inside the building and also outdoor pools as well. So um, everyone. Is surprised when I say that we mostly use them in the in the winter time, but the best time to use the spas in the winter. You know, you, it's cold out there. It's like set. We get really cold winters, so it get, gets down to zero, minus five, minus ten, and it's snowing outside, and you're sitting in the warm water, only your head is out, and uh, everything is steamy and smoky, and um. And people play chess in the water. Maybe you saw some of those pictures where the old uh, gentlemen uh, play chess. Uh, they go there weekly, like two, three times, for the same purposes, for 
you know, get healed and meet friends. So, um, so it's, it is, it is a cultural experience actually to go to the, to the spas and, and it's good for your health and it's, it's not only physically good for you, but mentally as well, because it's really cheers you up actually. Um, I used to go there also to the gym because the Seychelles spa has a large gym inside. So you could, you could do anything there, water aerobics, go to the gym, many, many saunas, steam rooms. Um, it has uh, these 20 pools. You can actually go and swim in the cold pool and you can, after that, uh, sit in a really hot pool. And then there is a massage pool where you get like uh, your uh, back uh, massaged by the water. So yeah, so that's uh, that, that's that's the spa I recommend to everyone first time when they come to Budapest is the Seychelles spa, uh, and I would say at least two three hours, two three hours you need to be able to you know go around and try all the pools and get into the feeling of uh, the Hungarian spa spirit, and then Gellért spa is uh, more about architecture it's it's art nouveau style which is a very unique style european style coming from austria in budapest we use it very little but uh, the the gallery spa is hungarian art nouveau which is i think one of the most beautiful buildings in budapest it's just marvelous it's, the colors are they use colors so it's green and blue and and it's, it's just um, amazing so the Gellert Spa, I would recommend for more aesthetic, uh, how, how to say, to, to, to enjoy uh, the building itself, sit in the water, enjoy it. And the Seychelles Spa is more for doing exercise and enjoying the water. So, yeah, so, so go to both if you're in Budapest. <laughs> Good suggestion. It feels like we've gone really deep on that, but it, it's just such a special part of the culture and the experience of the city. It's uh, yeah. def- definitely worth talking about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You also touched on uh, some really beautiful things about the architecture of the city. And that was one thing that certainly struck me on my my many visits that you're just blessed with so much beautiful architecture on both sides of the city, along the Danube, um, like you said, with over a thousand years of, of history, there's just uh, a wealth to choose from. And obviously coming from that um, that golden period during the Austro-Hungarian Empire, there was just um, so much cash being splashed on beautifying the city. Yeah. Uh, do you have any particular favorite buildings? Uh, yes. I love the Fisherman's Bastion. Uh, it was built again, at the same uh, period of time in, uh, for 1896. It's, um, if you, it's at the Buddha Hills, on the top of the Buddha Hills, surrounding the Matthias Church, which is one of the most beautiful, uh, mm. ch- first and one of the most beautiful churches of, uh, of Budapest. It's magic. It's like going to Disneyland, but in real life. <laughs> when you go up there, especially in the evening, then it's marvelous. Every, all the lights are lit, and obviously all the lights are lit in the city, so you have a view on the whole of Pesh side and the Danube River and Margaret Island and the bridges. So 
definitely one thing to do is go there either in the evening after sunset or if you're an early early riser and if you like uh, sunrises then it's again something something I would really highly recommend I used to um, work in tourism in other fields as well and I had to I had to go to the Hilton Hotel, which is right there at the Fisherman Bastion, uh, early in the morning because people went to the airport at like three, four o'clock in the morning, and it was really hard. But 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 I saw the sunrises there, mm. and it was worth it just to wake up for that because it's uh, no one is there. So finally, you know, is you can see it without the crowds and uh, amazing views and amazing buildings. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a great city for architecture buffs and beautiful displays of, of European architecture throughout history and so many influences drawn on, of course, because it was Ottoman, it was Austrian, it was German, it was, you know, behind the Iron Curtain, you know, it's, it's just been one of those crossroads, those uh, meeting points of culture. Yeah, it's, it's true, yeah. All that stuff is particularly fascinating for an Australian, you know, we... <laughs> We have a very ancient history with our indigenous cultures, but in terms of our modern architecture, it's obviously just a couple of hundred years and, and not too many empires have have passed this, the cities from hand to hand. Um, so very, very different, very mystified for us. I, I was quite taken with it. Well, for, for us, it's also actually Australia. We mystify Australia too, you know, because it's a young country. It's, it's just, uh, it's so fresh. I love that about Australia. It's so fresh. Mm. It's like a fresh breeze compared to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a two billion year old continent, so there's some age here, but it's it's not yeah, in the buildings course. for sure. Yeah, um, Livia, I'd love to know how you got into guiding. You've obviously been a tour guide for a really long time. About fifteen years or ten years, you've been a guide. Oof, uh, I was twenty three, so fifteen. Wow. Yeah. 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 I wasn't guiding for the whole time, but it I it, I was in the travel industry uh for the whole time. Well, there is one thing I believe in that we are a bit destined to do things in our life. And I remember I grown up half in at the Lake Balaton and half in Budapest because we have a we had a summer house there. So basically June f- school finished. I was off to Balaton and I came back in September, which was amazing. But every time I came to Budapest and I was a little good, my heart was beating so fast because Budapest for me, you know, I grown up here, but I don't know. I have, I had special feelings even when I was like nine years old, 10 years old. I just felt that I love so much this city. So I guess, I guess I was destined a little bit to show Budapest to, to people because I have this, this, um, this love for this city, uh, which, which I don't think my family, like other members of my family, they like it, but they don't have this passion for it. Um, and, and then my, I wasn't actually planning on purpose to be a tour guide. I just... Uh, I studied English when I was 18. I went to England, so I learned English and then I learned uh, Italian 
because I had a boyfriend from Italy, so kind of like was obvious, you know, it's um, just started to learn languages. And, um, and then uh, I was going, I wanted to, I always wanted to be an actress. So um, I studied acting and singing and dancing and all that. Um, and then I kind of like got carried away with traveling already at the beginning of my 20s because of my boyfriend of Italy just going to Italy and then going back to England and I kind of let go this kind of acting thing but I knew that I still need to like I had to figure out what to do so I went to university and I was studying art history and then and then I and then I was still thinking what to do because I I won't work in a museum obviously because I just it was wasn't good I mean, it wasn't exciting enough for me so I was like okay no I speak two languages what should I do and I was thinking between going to um, uh, translating like if I could like translating or tour guiding and I was to, to a course and I was thinking well Translating is again like I can't say what I think, so guiding, as I guess, is a bit you know more creative. Mm. So I just went to this guiding school, which is one year in Budapest, in Hungary. So it's a one-year course. I and I went there, and I didn't even I wasn't sure what I would do or you know if you can make a living of tour guiding. I was just going with the flow more mostly, and then uh, I haven't even finished my tour guiding course when my mother was somewhere on the countryside and talking to someone who was working for Intrepid, a lady, a Hungarian lady. And then my mother called me up and said, I have met this lady and she's working for this company, an Australian company called Intrepid. And she's, she's guiding in Europe and guiding in. And I was like, wow, amazing. And then she says, do you want to do you want to try because she can help you and they're looking for people who speak actually uh, at least Italian or Spanish or something and then I was like okay yeah woo, mm. and I, I remember I was on the tram on the Margaret on the on the Margaret bridge I remember that moment <laughs> and then three weeks later I was in Prague in the guys training because they I got like I sent in my CV I got my interview like in three days and another interview another interview and then they invited me to the Prague's training where it was like the the leader's training that was it like from from that time on I obviously not in Budapest but I started to lead tours in Eastern Europe throughout Eastern Europe with Intrepid and Italy because I speak Italian that's why they obviously uh, put me on trips in Italy and Eastern Europe because I I'm Eastern European, and that was fun too, obviously. And I can talk about history, the Czech Republic and Slovakia and Poland and Hungary is pretty much the same in the last 50 years at least. And then, uh, and then I started to guide uh, when I was more experienced. Then they put me to Spain and Greece and all over, all over Europe. And then I got to a point... Actually, I I got I to a point where I started to think maybe it would be nice to have a home because, you know, guiding in Europe is, uh, I mean, it's a lifetime experience. You know that. It's it's amazing. But it's a bit ruthless. So after a while, you start saying, oh, my friends, miss my family. It would be nice to 
go to a cinema with my friends or just for dinner or just uh, some ordinary stuff. And, yeah. uh, and then I met someone from Intrepid, uh, Claudia, maybe you know her. Uh, and she said to me, um, there's this new thing, Urban Adventure, called Urban Adventures, and we're looking for partners in Budapest, and we were thinking of you, and would you like to do it, maybe? And I was like, okay, why not? <laughs> and then, and then that, that basically brought me home, uh, Urban Adventures, and I found a partner, a business partner, who had already experience in the travel industry, like in Budapest, and then I came home uh, for that purpose. And then we started to create tours in Budapest. Uh, and that's how I ended up home again. But then I was for years, I st- still kept doing like part-time guy, uh, leading in Europe, which was really good. This is amazing mix to, to be home and then sometimes just disappear for a month and then come back and then, and then they pay for it. This is amazing. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, so this is how, this is the story of my tour guiding, basically. And then Urban Adventures grow so much that eventually I wasn't, the, la, the la, uh, last few years I wasn't guiding because I had to be focusing on the business and just organizing. Fascinating story. I uh, could relate to a lot of it, actually. Yeah. It, it's a really, I mean, it's such an amazing experience. We We did something very similar. Um, both having worked for Intrepid and I mean, I didn't have really any reason to be running tours through Eastern Europe, including Hungary. (laughs) Um, (laughs) didn't have the language, didn't have the, you know, I had to, had to make up for a lot of historical knowledge. So I'm sure those guests that got you instead of me were much better off for it. But (laughs) from my perspective, a great experience. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, so Urban Adventures was really on a tear and I guess, Hungary more generally, at least from my first experience of it all the way back in 2012, it seemed like, you know, it had come a long way in a short time, obviously being somewhat close to tourism, you know, before the 1980s when it, when it opened up and um, growing in popularity. My experience throughout the summer was that all of the main attractions, you know, there was a lot of tourists around. It was a very popular place. And all those conversations have been starting in the, in recent years about over tourism, you know, like a new couple of hundred million travelers, you know, coming out of Asia and different parts of the world um, every year with people rising up out of poverty and growing middle classes. Um, how has, how has your experience changed, I guess, leading up to this period under COVID and over the last year and a half when travel restrictions have been in place? Uh, you mean like how what what changed the within this one and a half year? That's what you yeah, mean. Yeah, I I guess like how was it before all of this before COVID? You know, how was it going with with tourism? Was the city kind of overrun and it was somewhat unpleasant yeah. during the summertime? And then has has it been only terrible being in the industry, or also quite interesting and enjoyable to have your city back? If if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well. Um... Uh, I we, we we went back in time in a little bit I would say in twenty years because I rem I remember the city like like today is when I was I don't know twenty years old when I left the country first because for me it was too quiet it was like oh my god nothing happening and I went to London and it was like life and and a lot and I met, met lots of 
people from other countries, which was like amazing and opened my mind. And and uh, the thing in Budapest, we are very closed in terms because we don't have any any foreigners. I mean, we now uh, now we we had in the last twenty years we had a lot, but before it started, before the Iron Curtain fall, we were just isolated, completely isolated, and and only living in our own little world, in our culture. And then uh, when uh, the Iron Curtain, when we when we got free from communism, nineteen eighty nine, then then uh, we started to see people coming in different cultures. It's not like Vienna. It's not like London still. Because obviously people don't come here that much for opportunities than they go to London or Vienna. The wages are pretty low, so that's why I guess it's uh, we still don't have so many foreigners. But it started to build up, yes. And people, I, I felt that people love that actually our culture is so preserved and and we... What I say that is, um, so we are close-minded, that's what people loved about Hungary, I think. Like, because, because we have lots of um, like traditions that we still keep, and, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I guess that's what, that was the beauty for the, for the outsiders, that we are still like, not blended with other cultures, but pretty much. Hungarian, Hungarians. Mm. Uh, for me, um, it was wonderful to share all this experience because we are very family oriented, I think, in Hungary and very welcoming uh, people uh, to a certain level because when you go to like a post office, then people might be grumpy. That's kind of like it's the European thing. And I always apologize for that and I feel embarrassed. Because even they grumpy with me, and then I argue actually, because I'm like, "Why are you grumpy with me?" Because you had a bad day. But, but if you, like, if you get to know those people, actually, they're nice. It's just the first reaction for some reason. I guess it's communism. And um, and so, for me, it was was wonderful to see how people like the country, enjoy our food, and 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 how much they like to be here. So, yes, it was a bit over, uh, over overcrowded uh, by the end of l- last year, well, yeah, 2019. But, but for me, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. One thing is true that uh, we have the inner city, like very small circle of the inner city. I didn't go there anymore in the last five years because... It was just tourists, and I have no problem. Obviously, I, I like tourists, but uh, but it was not at all. And it was nothing to do for a local anymore. The inner city, just because souvenir it's just, shops and attractions, yeah. and yeah, it's just like a co- very expensive coffee shop. And I'm, I'm not going to buy a coffee for like five euro. Like when I buy it for fifty cents, when it, just down the road in my local shop, so. So that was the thing with the, with the very immediate city center that it got uh, very, very touristy. But I guess it's normal. I didn't feel that it's a bad thing because Prague is like that, London is like that, Vienna is like that. So I accepted it. 
and then um, uh, now uh, and yeah one more aspect that i didn't like about tourism is the we became the capital of pub crawls and and um, uh, how to say before the wedding there is a celebration so like, like box the, parties and hens parties yes. Hen, yeah we became we became a really really popular place for especially english and scottish to come here for drinking at and least they're always well behaved when they travel the english and the scottish <laughs> yes yes like the australians they, i don't think we can talk <laughs> no 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 uh, they they're not well behaved they're not well. they they get no. naked and they they jump on the table and uh, whatever uh, we got to a point where it was like really where the locals started to to feel that it's it just just too much because they were uh, really they were crossing the line a little bit, but still I, I was also saying okay, but they bring they bring uh, 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 like they bring money and 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 people live on that money. I mean, but we still have to kind of like draw a line that we respect the culture, the local culture. We got a bit um, too much of that by the end. So uh, that was too much. But other than that, I mean, all the tourists I met, uh, lots of uh, Australians, Kiwis, Americans, they're really, really nice and, 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 and interested. And, and honestly, uh, we were really happy with them. Um, and then now, obviously, I remember the day, it was 13th of March, 2020, when I closed down my laptop. <laughs> that was the day. It was a Friday, 13th Friday. And this is the first time you've opened it since. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, I was, I was uh, working in the last year and a half as well, just on my computer, like, you know, my Facebook, because I, I was running the social media and that, and I never stopped, really. Just uh, not to. I need to give myself some tasks, obviously, uh, to be able to. Uh, well, you know, it's just human being. You need some tasks. Yeah. Uh, you can't. You can't just lay on the bed. And and and, and so so I, I yeah I, I closed down my um, computer and uh, and, uh, and 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 the city got really quiet. If I go in now, sometimes I take a walk and uh, lots of locals, only locals, and everyone, uh, we sit in, we sit in lots of wine, we have lots of wine bars and we can uh, drink on the street. So what we do is like take a glass of wine and sit on the bench, sit on the stairs of the church and then drink wine and uh, have an ice cream and uh, walk around. So it's very quiet, but it's very pleasant at the moment. Uh, the places are really, really full since the restriction have been lifted, so we we can go out without the masks. Uh, we had really strong uh, restrictions until uh, beginning of June or May, and now everything is lifted, so we we can do whatever we want. We can even go into a restaurant. We uh, have a very strong vaccination campaign, I would say. Uh, and we have uh, five different vaccines. So we, we are part of the EU since 2004. So we, 
uh, obviously we take the program of the EU, like the, the vaccines from the EU, but the Hungarian government uh, uh, didn't only want to rely on that. So they brought in the Chinese and the Russian vaccine, the Sputnik and the, the Sinopharm. And uh, because of that, lots of people uh, were able to get access to the vaccine pretty soon. So at the moment, we have 5.5 million people vaccinated out of 9.5. The rest of the people, uh, lots of kids, like at least 2 million kids. And then uh, the rest, they don't want to vaccinate themselves because they're scared that it's... There are lots of theories going around here that that this is like mass um, killing and this kind of uh, horror stories. Uh, I don't know. I, I I vaccinated myself and I'm very happy because I want to. I I would like to work as soon as possible. So that is one of the criteria of. I mean, obviously, we need to be vaccinated in order to meet other people. Yeah, I think um, it's an obvious equation when you're in our industry and it's, um, yeah. you know, you're sort of on the front line of it and it's so vital to be being able to reopen the borders and welcome tourists back that it's it's a pretty obvious equation. We have a bit of that as well here, a bit of vaccine hesitancy. Uh, I don't understand it myself, something to do with Bill Gates, I believe. But <laughs> Yeah, 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 you yeah. said that. That's how you're going to decrease yeah. the population. Yeah, it's very vaccines. good. <laughs> I saw it. I saw it. But. In any case, it's a rabbit hole. We don't want to go down, so we can leave yeah, that one don't. there, Livia. Yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't. It's, it's everyone believes what they want to believe, and yeah, as sure. long as it's not obligatory, uh, not compulsory, like you know, whatever. But now they, um, I just uh, talked to my Italian friend. I actually, I studied, still study Italian. Every week, I have a lesson with an Italian guy. And uh, he sends me always uh, COVID uh, articles. So I know exactly what's going on in Italy about in terms of <laughs> the COVID. And uh, there is one uh, doctor uh, who is a kind of important doctor in Italy who said that uh, uh, the next wave will be in September. And uh, it's only for those who are not vaccinated. And the ones who vaccinated can be free and do whatever, but those who are not, they have to be in quarantine. So people are going to be like separated. And, and then apparently he told me that since he published that article, he can't live without a police um, presence. Wow. They take care of him because he got so many threatening messages. That, I mean, is it any, I'm like, what? And he's like, this is Italy for you. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so this story, the side story. Sorry, I just... We miss the passion of the Italians. It's good. Yes, yes. We, we don't have that in Hungary. We are a bit more calm than that. But... Sometimes. Yeah. Actually, it, it makes me think about language just because um, Hungarian is such an interesting language. So a little bit of a 180, go in a different direction. Um, you obviously speak English and Italian, as you mentioned, but... Hungarian isn't really like anything else, is it? Yeah, it's not. We are like an island in Europe. Because uh, in, in Europe, like people, like, you know, the Czechs, the Polish, the Slovaks, they speak Slavic languages, even the Russians, Ukraine. And then there is the Roman languages, Romania, Italy, Spain, Latin languages. And then 
then there is a German and English, and then there is us. Uh, there is not related, and uh, and obviously I I'm also in. I was interested where our uh, language comes from. Originally, they related it to Finnish language because long, long time ago, when we came from the Ura Mountains, back three thousand years ago, we were coming together with the Finnish Finnugor family, and so they said that we are our language is a bit similar. Since then, the last hundred years, that they completely disagreed with that, because they carried on um, looking into it, uh, and uh, actually, we have about. 50 common words with Finnish language, and that's all, that's all. And what they say now, because we came from the Ural Mountains, uh, it's Asia. So uh, the closest language family to us is Asian languages. And uh, I studied Japanese as well, and I don't speak, but I studied. And uh, it's true that the way of thinking in Japanese, it's like Hungarian. It's crazy. It's like the way I put together the sentence. Like it's, it's, it's the it's, it's the opposite of English. That's why it was so hard for me to learn English because I had to completely mix up my order of words. Like what? What? Like I say, I'm going to the cinema. Cinema go to I. That's what I say in Hungarian. <laughs> And like, why, why, but in, 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 in uh, Japanese is exactly the same. I can just put together the words exactly like I do in Hungarian and is the same. So um, I was reading up about this and apparently, um, obviously it's not like Japanese, Hungarian, but the, in terms of structure, the closest languages to us is Asian languages. Mm. Yeah, it's always interesting when you're choosing languages to learn because some of it can be quite political, like, you know, where the stronger economies are nearby. And then there's also the pragmatics of it, you know, maybe learning Spanish or learning Chinese because there's billions of people that speak those languages. But I imagine it is a rare and... um, uh, yeah, just some somewhat uh, interesting character that chooses to learn Hungarian if they're not from Hungary. Yeah. I guess it's only if you have, I, I guess only love would, <laughs> would make you learn <laughs> The best reason. I, I mean, I can't imagine anything else. Yeah. If you are like, choose a Hungarian partner and then you move here or you want, yeah, you want to know what the family speaks about, then you may. Yeah, because it's very hard Hungarian. to learn as well, I believe. Have That's you got what a- I hear. Have you got any favorite words that are unique to Hungarian that you just feel like there isn't really a translation in other languages? Oh, there are always words when I, uh, there are some words that I can't even express in Hungarian because it's so good in English. That's like bang. And the same in Italian, like bang. And must be the same in Hungarian. It's just, ooh, right now, um, oh, I, I, I need to think about it. We'll come back right to now it. I, okay, we come back. Sorry, I just right, <laughs> right now I I I I don't know, but but there there are some, yeah, sure. Yeah, there are some expressions that it's so hard to translate because it's just we have uh, lots of sayings that is hard to explain. Uh, yeah, 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 and then and then uh, we have one of the language schools that always put out these funny expressions that. 
you can't translate. Like they swear really badly. Like, oh my God. You can go on and on and on for like 20 minutes without repeating. Is there any theme? Like I remember when I was in Spain, it's all, it's always about shit. I'll shit on God. I'll shit on your mum. Uh, like <laughs> they have this theme that's yeah, pretty yeah, dark. Yeah, mom, <laughs> mom is some, yeah. The mom t- uh, is, is like a slut and your mom. These okay, two. that's pretty hectic. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to go more into it because it's, no, it's embarrassing. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, especially... Hungarian man swears, I think, a bit more than women. But, I mean, I'm not a feminist or anything, but, but, but it is. But those men. Somehow, <laughs> it's, in, it, it's more expe- accepted from men, you know? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a thing. My, my, my uh, father swears a lot, for example, and my brother. I think, and, and when I hear... A woman swearing, I, I also feel like, oh, it's not, for a man, it's kind of more. It's not ladylike natural. or something like that. No, no. But, but, but uh, unfortunately, I catch myself sometimes to say some swear words in, uh, in Hungarian and in Italian or English. I never even, never even come to my mind to swear. We, we use very, like, like, um, a feeling word, you know, the swear words. Mm. We, for example, oh, we say "ize." "Ize" is like a feel word, but it's not a swear word. But it's like "um um" in English. Um, but but in in, in Hungarian we say "ize," and we put in so often. Yeah, yeah. So with my boyfriend, we some we we collect money. Uh, if I say "ize," I have to put money into jar, and he has. And we have so much money in the jars. <laughs> <laughs> we try to try to avoid because it sounds doesn't sound nice, you know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. S- super interesting. And and what about your family? Are that um, are you just generationally Hungarian or came from elsewhere? No, I am uh, actually. I even did done the the this test, this gene, genetic test. Yeah. So I'm so, I'm very Hungarian. Um, <laughs> Yes, my my family originally my mom's side comes from the countryside from uh, uh, east of Hungary, close to Romania, uh, from a small village. And some of my cousins are still living there. And my grandmother and my grandfather, when they were my grandfather was sixteen when he came to Budapest, and he went to university. And and uh, my well, my grandmother was at at the camp at a uh, work camp because well, I you know, people who had a certain cast of people had to go to kind of concentration camps in the, at, at the beginning of the 50s. So my grandmother was there and my grandfather waited for him, for her. Uh, uh, she was there for four years and when she freed, then she he brought her to, to Budapest and then they started a new life. Thanks God uh, he, she survived. And um, they started a life here, just on their own, the two of them. Um, thanks God, I always I'm so thankful that they came to Budapest, mm. and they didn't stay there. It's a bit no, there's nothing there. So where they came from, Bekes Chaba, actually. 
And uh, yeah, so so my father's family was like outskirt of uh, of Budapest. They were actually like uh, no noble people. Like uh, they had lots of lands and like aristocracy and or something. Yes, they were aristocracy, and they lost everything as well in the communism. So basically, everyone lost everything in the communism, and they had to restart from the beginning. But uh, uh, that's how I, my mom and, and dad meet. Obviously, my my mom's family came here, and then my dad's family was here already. Uh, but I I'm I'm closer to my mom's family. They got divorced, and my mom and my dad. And I grown up basically with my grandparents next door because we are a very close family. So we live now in downtown, and it's like uh, it's it's like a three stories apartment building, and then it's my mom. Next door is my grandmother and grandfather, and the third floor is my brother. So that's and I moved like seven minutes away from them. Wow. <laughs> so we are very close. We are very close family, uh, and uh, yeah. So so culturally, I, am, I I I my attitude and everything is not so much. Lots of people actually ask me if I'm I'm from Budapest because I'm a bit more. You know, I, I was grown up like with the style of the countryside, like much more, a, a, a bit more warm, and, uh, and 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 it was very natural that there are neighbors. We go to the neighbors, and we eat there, and they come and they eat to, at us. And if we bake a cake, we take it to the neighbor. They bring cakes to us. So it's like uh, I I grown up in a family that is very open and very welcoming and. And almost, almost like on the countryside a bit mm. more, uh, because lots of people say that people in Budapest are a bit more reserved, a bit more to themselves. You know, like like in a city, we live in a different lifestyle than on the countryside. But because of my grandparents, and because I was so close to them, I had, I have, I had lunch with them every day until I was like, uh, until I left for Intrepid, like twenty three, like every day my grandma cooked wow. for me. And even now, every Sunday she cooks for me. She's 90 years old. And my grandfather passed away, unfortunately, 10 years ago. But my grandma is fine, and she cooks for us every Sunday. So I'm going there every Sunday. Now she's in the weekend house in the, the outskirts of Budapest. And, yeah, I still, you know, hang out with her a lot. That's really sweet. Yeah. So you're too nice for the big city. But that's probably what makes you such no. an excellent host. No, that's it. I, did, that's, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I got lots of times this question. Like, I from Budapest. Because we have this thing between the countryside and Budapest that people from the countryside don't like people from Budapest. That's a global and, trend, the big city. Yeah, maybe, maybe it is. And, I don't really understand because I don't see a difference between people. For for me, it's like I meet a person, she's nice or not nice. For me, I don't care where you come from or you, you know what I mean? Like I don't, yeah. I'm not, not going to ask you, oh, you're from the, that's why you are not so nice. No, it's just personality, I guess. We click or we don't click, that's it, I guess. Super interesting stuff. Um, I think that's a really great place to leave it. I um, 
I loved kind of returning to Budapest and reliving some of my memories through um, your stories and observations today, Olivia. It's been such a treat for me and I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for, for asking. It was a pleasure. Um, your company now, I believe it's called Voyage on Travel. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I will send you the link if you can't find it. Um, so I'll pop details in the show notes uh, if anyone is looking to find Livia's uh, company online. And when you get a Thank chance you. to head back to Hungary, uh, she's definitely the woman to talk to. Yeah, we're looking forward um, receiving you. Definitely. Wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, Livia. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Thanks for tuning in today. Our show is made possible by Localing Australia. We create authentic local experiences for people who don't like tours. In fact, we've created over 5,000 of them, but we're pretty new to podcasting, so we really appreciate your support as we figure things out. We'd love to hear what you thought of the show and about some other places you'd be keen for us to take you. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, review, and or share us. I'm Daniel Platt, and thanks for listening to Places with People.